Today you'll meet Shawnee Chantel, author, mother, and daughter of change. A lifetime lover of adventure and experience, Shawnee loved every moment of life. However, after giving birth to her third child, Shawnee's life was turned upside down when she came face to face with death and experienced the beauty that lays on the other side. During her recovery, Shawnee experienced feelings of grief, anxiety, and depression. At her father's recommendation, she sought mental health assistance to help her process the trauma. The therapy was life-altering and partly what Shawnee credits with her current journey towards recovery. Shawnee's decision to seek help has inspired her to turn her trials into triumphs. She hopes that by sharing her story, God Within the Lily, with others, she can help others turn their life around as well. When I met Shawnee, I was immediately struck by her pure heart and the energy she radiates. She's beautiful inside and out. I'm excited to have this opportunity to introduce her to the Daughters of Change community so she can share her story. Join us today and hear about her incredible journey and where it has taken her both here and beyond. Welcome to the Daughters of Change podcast. My name is Marie Sola, and I'm a firm believer that women and girls play a major role in creating change for our future. This podcast tells the stories of the women and girls who are creating that change, each in their own unique way. Every day is an opportunity to blaze new trails and set positive change in motion. The possibilities are endless. Let's get started. Shanice, Shanice Chantel, welcome to the Daughters of Change podcast. And we have so many interesting and fascinating things to talk about today. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's... um, So exciting. Yeah, you've been... You've had quite the journey the past couple of years, have you not? I have. I have. Yeah. Yeah, I I have. Yeah. I'm still in disbelief. (laughs) What's going to say, sometimes it must almost feel surreal. You know, like you look back on it and think, did that really happen? I never anticipated this going on or this happening in my life, right? And then, boom. right, right, yeah. And then the the universe and God have a way of taking us down paths we just couldn't anticipate. So we have a lot of things like that to talk about. But before we get into sort of the nitty gritty of your story, this is a question I love to ask all of the daughters of change, and I get some of the best answers. Okay, so you know, I read your bio. People heard your bio at the beginning before we started talking. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of really interesting, wonderful information in that intro. But tell us something about yourself, Shawnee, that people would be surprised to know. Well, just by looking at me, people would be surprised to know that I am totally disabled. Um, Also, um, that I was a first-time mom at 16 
So um, a lot of people will be surprised, you know, just by looking at me and by my store that, yeah, I was a um, first-time mom. I was just a baby having a baby. <laughs> a, ba- a, a kid with a kid. Yeah. Right? A kid with a kid. So that was changed within itself. Right? Exactly. Exa- that's that's actually, I like that. That was changed within itself. That's a that's a pretty powerful statement. And you don't look old enough to to have a teenager at all. I mean, regardless, yeah. regardless, because I know that you were a young mom, but you still look like you're in, I mean, I know people can't see you, but you still look like you're in your early 20s right now. Yeah, and, a bit, and then it was a huge change from having a baby at the age of 16, about 16 and 17 years later, had another one and then had another one back to back. Yeah. So it was like starting all over again with my, you know, older self. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. I, I have my kids are separated by 14 years. Wow. So okay. my first was at like 20 and my second was uh, going on 30, was 34 going on 35 and completely different experiences. Yes, it is. Yeah. Different time. It really is. It's just everything yep. is different. Different personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is just, just different. <laughs> yeah. And you're more settled, you know, Absolutely. when you're older. But then Wiser. your younger mom self gives kids a certain spontaneity that they don't get when you're older. So there's kind That's of the, true. you know, there's kind of, so I look at, at both, um, at kind of both ends of that. Um, and you're a lot less tired when you're young. <laughs> That's it, lots you more energy, it. right? That's Absolutely. right. So, oh my goodness. And so actually, which in a way, you know, the whole idea of energy and youthfulness. So you're a lifetime adventure lover, right? I am. And you've done some really cool things. What's your most memorable adventure other than the one we're going to be talking about because I mean the one we're going to be talking about I don't know that like we could top that but but I know right (laughs) yeah I mean that's just to me like wow but in terms of before that what's your most memorable adventure been and why actually my most memorable is at uh, on my 30th birthday because I always um, started my 30s I decided to For each birthday um, going forward, I was going to be doing something that I can remember because I don't remember my younger self birthdays. So what I decided to do was jump out of an airplane. And I did that for the first time. And uh, it was just so serene because I figured if I can jump out of an airplane, I can do anything because I'm up there that is so fearful um, adrenaline, you know, and then I can see God's horizons. And if I can just do something outside of myself, um, I'll be able to do anything. And that that's what I wow. did, honey. I jumped out of airplane at age. Wow. Okay. So I have to ask you, like you're standing there at the, like you're in the plane right? and you're at the door. Like, how do you actually get yourself to jump out? That's the part that would be well, so... Now I mean, once question. you're out, you're kind of out, right? Now, that's a good question. So the trick to that is there was a trainer attached to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he did like over thousands of jumps. So once we reached ground zero, it was like one, two, and then we put then he pushed down. So I didn't have no choice because we was attached to one Oh, another. well, there. Yeah, and matter of fact, okay. when I um, when he pushed uh, me out the plane, I was pretending like I was some type of superhero, like I was a eagle or something. So I literally forgot everything that was taught prior to, and I forgot he was on the back of me. And then, I, then you know, I had to get leveled out. I'm like, 
okay, you're back there. So everything became cool. And he let up that parachute and was like, oh, okay. Then he let the second one. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to survive uh, this then. The parachute. And so I was able to like take off the glasses and was able to wiggle my legs and just really enjoy the ride. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, okay, so, like, somebody would have to push me out totally. Like, Absolutely. Because I just think that's yeah. the thing. Like, you're I, you're I looking out about, there. like, being control of the parachute letting go, already jumping by yourself and being in control of your own destiny, which is yeah. letting go of the parachute. Girl, no, I can't do that. Not on my birthday. I didn't want to go down like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I just... I want to always... see at least 31. <laughs> Or 32, 32, you know, many more years. Yeah, I've always needed to ask that question because I'm like, okay, so you get there, but how do you get yourself on out of that airplane? Because it's just not, you know. <laughs> so and it was pretty cool. And then they do a, like a recording, a video recording. So mm-hmm. not only when you jump out, the, uh, the video person jumps out too. So uh, within my video, I actually did, it was around breast cancer month because my birthday is August. So October was breast cancer month. And I was dressed in the um, breast cancer attire. And then I made a video. I wanted people to um, have more awareness of breast cancer. So I really was supporting. Oh, nice. And, but I didn't know the trainer that was jumping out with me. His wife had breast cancer. Oh, all right. So talk about serendipity, right? That's mm-hmm. that's wild. So that's what wow, that's a really that's. A great adventure, and that's a really nice story. So I'm like, I'm going to do this for you, mommy. Yeah. For breast cancer. Nice. So, yeah, I did it, girl. Nice. And they said, you know, us women from color or people from color don't jump out of airplanes, you know. Don't do that type of stuff, but yeah. Guess what, Shawnee's I do. Shawnee's <laughs> does. Don't you be telling her what she does and doesn't do, right? I know. <laughs> and I learned how to swim when I was like, oh, girl, my late. Now, learning how to swim in my late 20s was really about the scariest. Jumping out of an airplane was very fearful. But I don't think that was nearly as scared of the fact that of drowning. Yeah. <laughs> learning how to swim in my late my late 20s, you know, with the thought of how the water's going to hold me up. But, Interesting. Um, I can. The vigorous was jumping out of an airplane. That was cool. But I think the most fearful was learning how to swim. Wow, that's interesting. So that because was- Because babies don't, yeah, because babies don't think about it. Um, when you send them to learn how to swim at a young age- They, they swim. They swim. Yeah, they just but swim. You, you put someone that don't know how to swim in a large body of water or teach them that the water is going to hold you and you're going to float, mm-hmm. it's kind of- Well, yeah, because you've learned to develop fear by the time you get right. older. You know, and right. and then if you've seen Jaws, forget it. <laughs> and, and Titanic, honey, and Titanic. It was like and Titanic, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> or Gator, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Girl. <laughs> give I ain't me the, about that life. Yeah, give me the swimming pool. Give me the swimming well, pool. I figure that I'm gonna um, equip myself and my babies, um, so that's why I learned how to swim. That's good. But you never know with floods, and if you mm-hmm. want to go on a cruise, you want to make sure that you got that type of skill. Yeah, and that's a skill that you would probably never forget is learning how to swim. It, it comes exactly. Exactly. Once you learn how it is, it's it's natural. But that yeah, but when you're first learning, it can be a yeah. little daunting. Oh my! God. All right, so so I love your adventure stories. This is great. <laughs> and, <laughs> What was your profession before everything happened? So my profession, so I went to medical school for um, health information technology. And once I got that degree, um, I was passing Arkansas Heart Hospital. I was like, I am going to work there. So the first time I didn't get a call back as far as I applied. And the second time I was like, 
they're going to call me back. So I was actually working on it. I was a unit secretary. I finally got that dream job working as a unit secretary underneath a, um, a doctor. And then I end up having that um, second child. And then when I came back from maternity leave, I ended up working with the cardiovascular surgeons. Um, and so then I got pregnant with that third child. And then, you know, they say all else is history, honey. Yeah. So a lot of my stuff is in the background. It's like medical field. There's a reason I asked that question, because it really all kind of ties back in later on in your story. And it's again, there's so mm-hmm. much, um, you know, serendipity here. There's so much. I guess there's so much more at play here than what we see Absolutely. with our five senses. Correct. I mean, I was a, a heart employee. <laughs> so I was working yeah. with heart patients. Yeah. And I mean, the, and that is going to come back into play as we talk about your story more. So they're like, there are no accidents, are there? It feels mm-hmm. like there's um, there's just so much that, like I just said, that we can't, you know, that we can't see with our five senses that's going on, let's just say around the scenes and not even yes. behind the scenes, but around the scenes. And yes. so you're here you are, this incredibly healthy young woman, you jump out of airplanes, you learn how to swim. Right. I mean, you have an adventure every birthday and now you're pregnant with your third child. Uh-huh. And so you go into the delivery room to have your youngest daughter. And this was a couple of years ago. Right. What happened during the delivery and right after? So the delivery went well. Actually, it went perfect. Um, right after the delivery, I had just a few moments of bonding time because I was scheduled for a tubal ligation. So I didn't have time to really uh, breastfeed my daughter, which I so wanted to do because she was the last child. I was wheeled into the operating room to have a tubal ligation. And from there, I went into um, a private room. I did know at the time that from that tubal ligation, the doctor had nicked my bowels. And until six days later, and within those six days, I was already showing immediate signs of something that was wrong because on the second day, based upon my medical records, um, I began to faint, high blood pressure. I kept complaining that my abdominal was hurting. I uh, refused to eat because of my pain in my abdominal. And so to end up putting an NG tube um, to re- release some gas and decomposition as well as a feeding tube for nutrition. So I guess they figured that that was going to relieve my pain. And it carried on to day six. On day six, um, I began to show really bad signs. Like I was declining fast. My mom, my dad, my sister, they were my advocate. They kept on saying, I believe Nisi has an infection. And Nisi is a childhood name that most of my family know me by. So they said, I believe Nisi has an infection. I was so hot. The room was like maybe 60 or below. They put me by the air vent. I was still burning up. They put me with ice, put me um, a wet towel. I was just burning up. And they was freezing and nurses was freezing. So they suggested that uh, to a nurse that they need to look into what was going on. They believed that I have an infection. The nurse contacted the doctor. The doctor said he left for today. And so she came back and gave us the message. My mom said... You guys got to do something now. You call that doctor back, call a different doctor, but wherever you do, make sure someone gets it here now. 
So they end up, so the doctor end up ordering, a different doctor end up ordering a CT scan, a CAT scan. And based upon that CAT scan, once the results came back stat, it showed that I had fecal material or fecal matter. Oh, and wow. that was sent me to emergency exploratory surgery because to me, when I was so hot, it was like someone just poured gasoline inside of my body mm-hmm. and lit a match. Wow. And it just felt like it was wildfire because I was just so hot on the inside. It's like I was um, being burned from the inside out uh, or set on fire from the inside out. And so they sent me to uh, emergency exploratory surgery. They didn't know the surgeon didn't know what she was going to find. But as soon as she opened me up, a bunch of infection poured out. She oh, steady wow. discovered that I had abscesses. And then she noticed that within my small bowel, a hole, which was a nick bowel. So she ended up cleaning my intestines out and everything. And then she placed the wound back on it, as well as several drainages in my abdominal to drain the infection. Well, they sent me to CCU. Based on the cultures, they realized that I had three deadly infections. I became um, septic, so I began to throw up my bowels. Um, And then from there, I end up, the day before my birthday, I went into, so I came out of CCU. I was getting better because, you know, you get better, you get worse, you get better, you get worse. And it is one thing after another, back to back. And I went into CCU on my birthday. So instead of cake and ice cream, my birthday, you know, um, they end up telling me I have upper respiratory failure, congestive heart failure renal failure oh my god so i end up getting treatment for that and then i got a little better and i made it to the floor when i made it to the floor they said well you have double pneumonia so i'm like well i may not survive double pneumonia because you know my lungs are already weak i had collapsed lung and now i'm fighting pneumonia and i barely can walk so my family were still coming in and helping me to walk and then they was turning me left and right um, to try to move the pneumonia. Well, I beat that within a couple of days. So thank goodness for that. So the next thing that happened is I was getting nosebleeds. I'm not sure what was the reason for nosebleed, but I never had a nosebleed before in my life. But I had so much blood to pour out that they gave me two blood transfusions. And that was um, quite scary. So a nurse put up, uh, everything gotten better. And a nurse said, well, if you um, start with your first doctor and let them know that you're you're ready to go home, they will all come up with a board meeting and decide whether or not to discharge you. So I had like seven or eight doctors. So the doctor came around maybe, I think this one, the first one started around about four or five o'clock in the morning because doctors come early, then the other nurses pour blood and everything. So I started with the first doctor and I told him that I was ready to go home and everything and he approved and then I just started working them down. So I got the last approval and then they they said that they were scheduling me to go home the following day because everything looked well and right. uh, I was just stable enough to go home. So, so how exciting. long? I don't wanna sorry to interrupt you there. How long at this point have you been in the hospital? So at this point I believe it was a month and a half. Okay, so you've had you go in, you have the baby. Uh-huh. Supposed to go home within three days. Yeah. Uh, what you know no problems with the delivery this happens it takes a while so now i just want to make sure like we really because this is like you've been there now a month and a half like one thing after another so now you've right, had so this i never meeting. did go home so i never did yeah. go home and that, that little baby she was sent to her next of kin because i was in the hospital and she had to right. be cared for yeah so her daddy and his mom had 
had her, correct? Or you're right. And, and yeah. he was a first time dad. So if you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so you don't have your baby. Right. You're in the hospital now for a month and a half. Now they tell you, you get to go home the next day. Okay. I just want to, okay. So take it from uh-huh. there. So then what happens And then next? that 16 year old that I had at the time, she was caring for that one-year-old at home. So she had to step into mommy's shoes as well. So one right. person, so my younger daughter, my oldest daughter was taking care of that one-year-old. And then the newborn, her family was taking care of her. So I got the approval that I would be going home. It was a good day, wonderful day. My family came and I always had someone to come. It's, it wasn't a day that I can recall that I did not see my auntie, my mom, my dad, my sister. So... I had all that celebration and prepping to go home. My sister came. We praised God, laughed, whatever, because she, cause she worked nearby. So she worked as a hospice aide. So um, she left me with, I'll see you later, sis. I'll pick you up in the morning, right? And I, and I was so excited. Now, before she made it home, well, as soon as she made it home, before she got the car, she was told that she had to get back to the hospital. We're talking like 15 to 20 minutes later after she left. She left me. I was happy and laughing and we were talking. But so she get the call that she got to get back like right away that I flatlined or I coded. Oh, wow. Um, And they were in the midst of reviving me. So within that situation, uh, let's switch it to where what's going on in the hospital, because I, I had a heart monitor on. And the first time that they noticed something was going wrong, the doctors and nurses came in to assess me. I j- jumped out of the um the heart rhythm while I came back to being stable. So that they left me about five or 10 minutes later, they get a stack call. Like they need to get in right away. So they rushed in with all the machines and doctors and nurses. Like it was just a a state of emergency. And they asked me how I was doing immediately. I seen them, but I could not respond. And I just flat like, and I was just talking like I'm talking to you. So there was no signs that my heart was going to stop. Oh, wow. And so as soon as um, I flatlined, I was like, now that's weird. My body is there, but I'm here in reference to I'm not a part of that body. I'm like, oh, I just died. I'm like, I didn't mean to die because I've been fighting and I never know what dying feel like. So it was um, very scary, but in my mind, I was thinking that I'm passing on means I'm leaving my baby behind, my family, and I gave up. You know, I'm, fight- I'm a fighter. And so um, I began to feel very nervous. Um, I remember feeling very nervous, but then an overwhelming peace came upon me, and I began to transition. I began to go to through this tunnel. The initial tunnel was black and then it just started turning to like rays of light and I can hear instrumental music and I can see that light. Some people say don't go to the light, but to me that light was coming to me and it was like hugging me and it was comfort. I wasn't thirsty. I wasn't worried. Um, there was no notion of time and I was heading to the light. I'm like, well, I'm about to meet God. My upbringing said that um, that light is Jesus. So I'm about to meet Jesus. So I began to be okay with that because I already accepted the reality that I passed on. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that, I didn't know what was happening to my physical body because I was really no longer there. But during that time, they had the lupus device that was giving me CPR based on medical records and as well as that was giving me five shocks and that was just working tirelessly to get me to come back within those 20 minutes 
so I can show, you know, it's trying to see if I show any signs of life. So for 20 minutes, they working there, but I'm going through the afterlife. And as I made it through the light, I remember passing or hearing prayers. And I remember seeing prayers as though there was objects, but I really didn't know who was praying. It was kind of like a text message, but I know people were praying up on my heaven. Uh, people was advocating for me. And my final remembrance of the afterlife is I went into the garden and it was to me, I would say it's like a lily in the valley. It was one particular flower, a lily flower that was like pulsating to me. And it was like communicating with me like I believe or I know that it was the Lord or Jesus talking to me. At that point, I, re I remember I may not know what was being said when I was over there. I did. But um I believe that that was my rebirth, my um, recarnation, that I am about to be something new. I'm about to, I'm about, I have a purpose and I'm about to come back. And so I didn't realize that I uh, went back into my body. Uh, but when I did came back, they put me in a 48 hour coma wow. as well as gave me some medicine to try to wipe out the trauma. But what they couldn't wipe out was what was meant for me to share and my purpose and my story, which is why the story is called God Within the Lily, because I was through that lily flower, I was speaking with God. And that's like my found belief. And when I made it back to, they, they didn't know if I was going to become a vegetable because 20 minutes then passed. But, you know, luckily I wasn't a vegetable. I did have brain injury, like maybe a long, short term brain injury. I can remember everything in my past, but the short term is really tough. And I was finally scheduled to go home. So a couple of days before I was scheduled to go home because I, I was discharged on September 11th. This is where that 54-day hit. So two days before, I was thinking in my mind that I was strong enough to go to the bedside toilet, right? And I, I tried to use the call light and no one came. And then I had to go really, really bad. My dad was next to me. He was sleeping, but I did not want to disturb him. So I got out the bed. And my body just collapsed through the feeding table. And I hit my head real hard on the hospital floor. And so um, they end up doing a test to make sure that I, I didn't have bleeding in my brain. Um, so I guess that came back okay. But after I got discharged, the next following day, I began to have stroke-like symptoms, which I had the jeweling. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I was talking like my baby. And it was very frustrating because I knew what I was saying, but my parents and my sister didn't understand. And then I, I had a hard time swallowing. So I had to get readmitted to a different hospital because I didn't want to go back to that last hospital because they kept me 54 days and they made a mistake. And so I ended up going to a different hospital and that hospital did an MRI, which showed I had volume loss. And I stayed there for a couple of days and then I went home. The day that I went home, the, the labs came back and said that I got to come back because I got E. coli. Oh. And I was like, and I would just cry, cry, cry because I'm like, I just left the hospital. You know, I'm just tired. I'm tired. I don't want to do it no more. I'm just tired. And so luckily, another doctor called back and said, well, we can treat your E. coli at home. It's not the big contagious where you, mm -hmm. you got to be quarantined. Uh, we could just treat this at home. So that was treatable. And I end up having to do um, home health. So you take me that never been into any type of predicament, being so dependent upon myself 
because I was living by myself at the time until my dad had to move in and take care of me, had to hook me up to all types of machines and everything because I had the wound vac, I had the light vest. And then I was scheduled for a pacemaker a couple of months down the line because I couldn't get in the hospital because I ended up having another infection. So they couldn't do the surgery then. And, um, you know, I had to be helped, you know, to the restroom, put in bed, just all of those things that come with like the recovery. But honey, I got that pacemaker. And from there, might've been a couple of months later, I was laying in bed and I was looking at a woman. uh, She was having a cardiac arrest. And when they was doing the compressions, I started having flashbacks and that would trigger my encounter, which um, showed which I was having flashbacks of what happened to me, the afterlife, the resuscitation, everything that was going on to save my life. And so my dad suggested that I go to see a counselor as well as psychiatrist. And I saw both of them. And after several sessions, the psychiatrist recommended that I write a book for therapeutic healing. And that's where the book like really came into play. So, you know, if my family was not there, like an advocate in a hospital, and I can't imagine during, um, during COVID season, if I was in a hospital and without my family, I mean, right, it would have been tough. That would have been, so you you were in the hospital almost, yeah. almost three months. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a long time. It was almost three months. And then you didn't just, like when you got home, you weren't just like, Okay, everything's right. like you still had a long recovery. I still had a lot and of recovery. So, yeah. And thankfully you had your dad and your mom and your sister and your older daughter, I know, mm-hmm. has been yeah, like, she, just she such it. a Yeah, she's been a joy help to you. And also, but yeah. not only did it affect me, it affected everyone connected to me. Yeah. Because my daughter yeah. who was taking care, she didn't know whether or not that uh, that I was going to survive. You know, it hit her hard when, when she found mm-hmm. out that I flatlined because she was taking care of a younger baby. And for me to be a young mother at the age of 16, but now my daughter having to face that, with, that's big shoes to fill. Right. And, you know, right, and exactly. her mindset, you know, it. but she did it um, with ease. And she's a hero, honey, with that little girl. Yeah. We give her a shout out. Let's give her a shout Alexis. out. Alexis. Alexis, Alexis, Alexis Kiera. Oh, great name. I mean, love Yeah, you. big shout out to you, Alexis Kiera. Yeah, you were, your mom told me, well, she's telling us all what a huge help you were. So that that's quite a bit. And then you, you didn't have those three months with your newborn, with your little daughter, right? That's so correct. that's a- I decided to have times, or even the other one, the uh, first, that uh, the one year old, I miss her walking. Um, I, I missed a lot of things with her. I miss her birthday. Her birthday is like two days after mine. So I miss her first birthday and I had it all planned. Her mm-hmm. first birthday was going to be a big old party, but I didn't know that as a mommy, I was going to be stuck in a hospital and her birthday was going to surpass. And I ended up uh, giving my sister some money to take her on a shopping spree uh, because I was unable to do so. And then the newborn, now her dad, he's a wonderful dad. He did bring the baby up there to see me so I could have total time with her. Um, But just the fact that um, I missed that on that time because everything was planned when she was in my belly. I was going to be a single Mm -hmm. mommy. You know, it was all up on me just to make sure she survived. I had my house in order. So when she come home, I was going to be the one, really the only one to be taking care of her because I didn't think I had that that help. And so... um, you know, with, with that warrior, when she did come to the hospital, 
um, she just started crying because I guess it was scary to her to see me hooked up with all those cords. And I looked very mm -hmm. different than I looked to her. I looked very sick. So I don't believe she recognized me, but my mom kept encouraging me that that baby will always yeah. know me. And she did. When I went, when I came home, she knew I was her mommy and we just, I just picked up where I left off. Yeah. And that, and the, the one that I um, had to send to her dad for six months, I just had to pick up where I left off with her and I can't get those six months back. Right. I can't get that time back. Exactly. You know, I, I, I wish that other things would be different, but I'm so grateful to be able to see every second with these babies. And I could just really smile every second knowing that I'm here. I could see them grow. Um, I don't have to be concerned that they're growing without a mommy, you know? So yeah, exactly. it's, this has been a joy. I get to see more birthdays with them. And that the one year old that the actually cover on the book is that second birthday after, because everything happened to me. So I missed my birthday. The one year old kind of missed her birthday. And I said, you know, we're going to have a mommy day out, like a princess, um, a princess photo shoot. So we're going to celebrate our birthday together. So dressed up as Princess Jasmine and everything. And uh, we just took that photo for our little birthday celebration. And that's what's on the book cover. That's what's on the so cover very of the book. Meaningful. So it's like a celebration that I made it. We made it to the next birthday. Exactly. And the book is called God Within the Lily. And, and that's also what we named this podcast, just so that people will oh, remember sweet. that. And we're going to have links to where people can find the book. And I I want to step back for a minute because there were a couple of things when we talked previously. So first of all, when you were on the other side, right? When you were going through your experience, mm -hmm. um, do you believe, like, so you were talking, the last thing was talking, you know, that Lily was pulsing and, and you... You, like you kind of mentioned that at the time there, you knew what it was mm -hmm. saying, but you like you don't remember everything when you come back. And I think maybe you're not supposed to, right? That's correct. It, it's still, it's still right. over but there. But you, do you believe that you had a choice to come back or do you think it was already just like kind of predestined that you would come and see this for the, like, do, do you have any strong feelings about that either way or knowings about that? Absolutely. Um, I don't believe that I had a choice. I believe that once I saw everything that was beautiful and, and I saw that everything that was real and that there was a place for me once I do pass on, um, to me, I was like, oh, this is nice. I think one side of me wanted to stay and the other side wanted to return. But I don't believe it was my choice. I believe that it was my grandfather speaking to God up on my behalf. For me to go back and tell the story because I believe that it's not too many stories out there where someone has been uh, completely dead for 20 minutes and come back yeah. and live to tell about it. And yeah. and yeah. all of these things that come back to back medically happen within a month and a half of each other. So uh, physically, that was a lot for seven people. Yeah. And I don't even know how I survived. So it's my belief that it's all God and it's a miracle. And if I don't share it, it's like I'm not, I will be keeping it to myself and I won't be telling the goodness of this miracle because miracle happens all the time. Yeah. People need miracles. Absolutely. People Absolutely. need to understand that there is something bigger than us, and that there are miracles. I think it's very important. I think yes. it's really, really important in the time we're in right now. I think it's extremely important 
where we're at right now in this world. And uh, it just, you know, so, so amazing. And there's something else you said to me as we were just mm-hmm. talking that was really kind of interesting. And it's more just an observation than anything. But you were talking about earlier when you were recounting your experience, right? And that you you felt like uh, the other part, like when you were in the garden, is it was like your rebirth, right? Absolutely. And, and But then as we were talking a little bit down the road, you said when you had those stroke-like symptoms, like you were almost talking like- I was a baby. You were almost like a baby again, even though mm-hmm. you weren't a baby. Do, does that make sense? Like, I don't know why Absolutely. that just, that just really resonated with me, that that's, observation. That's that's pretty neat. I never thought about that. Yeah. I never so, thought you know, about here that. you are and just, and you know, you're so bursting with life regardless of your medical condition. I mean, people can probably hear it in your voice, but if, if you were seeing Shawnee's and, you know, the space with her, her energy is just like, wow, it's palpable. It's this like beautiful, beautiful energy. And there is that innocence to it that you normally thank you and by innocence i don't mean naive or anything like that i just mean there's a pureness right there's a pureness to your energy yes that we don't often see in other adults or in adults and you know one thing i wanted to say was you know it took me time to get to here i had to trust the process uh, within my thought, well, within the time I was thinking that I can do, I can still do what I used to do. Mm-hmm. My mind was saying that I can, but my body showed me that it's not ready, you know? And I, I you know, I, I want to say that because, you know, I have deep, scary scars on my mm-hmm. abdomen and I was too afraid to show it. I didn't feel sexy anymore. You know, like my sexy self right. didn't want to wear certain things. It was keeping me from going out. I was just stuck in a house. Um, I felt useless. I felt that because I died and gave up, I was a burden on my family. Um, my mom, my parents had to see me use the restroom. They had to baby. Like I was going back to the baby state, you know, and I had to accept, I re- actually, I recently accepted that my scars are beautiful. I'm showing mm-hmm. off my abdomen now because I Good plan on you. going to a beach or I plan on, you know, Good taking for pictures you, and my scars is my story. So That's right. when you see my scars, you're going to know that that woman has a story to tell. That's right. And, that's right. And, and she's here. And that's a way for me to invite people within, uh, for me to inspire them about my story is by sharing right. my scars. Cause we all got a scars, whether it's visibly yes, we do. or whether it's not. Mm-hmm. And you make the choice whether to expose it or show it, or you deal with it some type of other way. But I have made the decision, honey, to show my scars because it's my story Good for you. and I'm going to continue to share it. So my scars it's part of your rebirth. And it's a part of me. Yeah. And I also hear this, you know, for people when they had to slow down a COVID, sometimes it feels like we're forced to slow down in order to realize where we're supposed to be. And, you know, it's interesting uh, that, you know, your healing process at home where you couldn't just go right back to, you know, jumping out of airplanes and running around. However, it was within that time period 
that, you know, you saw that woman on TV having the chest compressions. It, you had like a, a, a flashback, some PTSD. Your dad said, why don't you talk to somebody? Your therapist said, why don't you write your story down? And in that time, that pausing time, that healing time, because it wasn't a pause, it was healing. You wrote your book. Absolutely. Now, it was very emotional because also when you write, the um, emotions poured out. And mm-hmm. when I tell you that I wrote my entire story within that same day, because she said, Shanice, when you come back, you better have a book or something down about your story. Because every time I talk to her, something gets revealed. Like the more I talk, the more my memory comes back, the more new stuff. I, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised at my dear self, how different um, things still come out of me every time that I speak. Um, so... Um, I came back with that story and um, I found a a really good spiritual publisher. And instead of being a self-publisher, I am now, um, I'm a traditional published writer, I guess is what you call it, honey. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, everything else has really been within my favor. You know, uh, right now I'm still trying to get to know the new Shanice because the old body, I believe, passed on. I'm still not used to this. You know, this this person that when I walk into a if I have to walk into the hospital or these detectors, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't go there. I have a pacemaker or I can't go to certain places or I can't eat certain things because of my diet. No sodium, no dairy free, because most recently is um, I've been facing with gallbladder surgery, which is also a part of what took place two years ago. And I'm getting used to knowing who Shanice Chantel is, you Mm -hmm. know, um, and really just picking up where I left off with these babies. So it's been pretty, very interesting. It's been pretty interesting. I just know the old person passed away and the new one is is a new adventure, a new journey. And that's what I've been sharing. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. You know, it's beautiful that you're sharing this. And it's this is like a shell, honey, scars and everything. Yeah. This body is just a shell. Right. Well, it's the spirit on the inside that really shows. Well, it, and your spirit shines through. So I mean, it it like bowled me over the first time I met you on Zoom. You know, it came right through. It came yes. through, you know, and I was like, wow, I love this young <laughs> woman. It was just like, wow. And it, it shows, though. It shines. You you actually literally you. shine. You really do. And um, I know that. You know, there has been a lot still going on, but you're, you know, you're moving forward and you've had this, um, you know, you've had mm-hmm. this time to reflect and regroup and, and start to heal and tell your story. But you mentioned that this has changed your whole life. Yes. So, all right. So are you now at the, we did touch upon the fact that you were working for heart doctors, which I think right. is so interesting because of you being able to understand what you had to go through afterwards with the pacemaker and go back to them and be, you know, be your own advocate. But did you ever like like now things have changed. So how is all of this changed? Like, where are you moving forward with all of this? I think it's beautiful. So now so. So I had to accept that I am disabled, but I'm not unable, you know. Oh, beautiful. And I I had to, the hospital that I worked for, I actually did my cardiac rehab. So I graduated from there 
And people were so loving because they knew me. They knew the person that I was with other patients. And I had just a very, very good rapport there. And I, I finished there, but I had to accept that, you know, I can't, it's hard for me to go back within a medical field with my memory and my skill because of what took place. You know, I'm afraid. I am afraid to, to do what I used to do medically. So I have to figure out what works now. What works now is just taking time, uh, writing this book, doing something that's not going to elevate my stress or my heart. Uh, be here for these kids. So I believe that's my purpose. It's, it's not to physically work. It's to inspire um, through just speaking with everyone um, and really be here to raise these babies. And this is where I'm not sure where the future hold, honey. But right now I have accepted that um, that I can no longer do the things I used to do as when I was independent. And um I have a medical degree, like really on this wall that like, okay, I still did it, but some way it's going to come back around. I'm not sure how, but it's going to come back around uh, because this is the new me. So it's all going to work together because everything in my life has always added up to this point. All the roads leads here. I might have went over the road some, went to a different path and a GPS didn't work. Whatever happened under my decision all the roads lead to this very moment and time and season. And I'm just really enjoying it ride. And wherever the story takes me, whether it takes me to travel or abroad or, or just to share within my community or like talking to you, then I'm just going. Wherever it leads, I'm going. I love it. And if I was working from eight to five, I wouldn't be able to do that. No. There that, that, that was no way. And I, there was no way I would, could work and then still take care of my health. And, you know, I was under like 20 pills and, and therapy and still take care of home. It would be too much. Yeah, there's no way. But I, there are I, different I ways it. to work. You know, I mean, I think we've I think and we've all found that out recently. So right? disabled, but not unable. You just figure out what really works I like for you. that. Disabled, but not unable. That's actually, that's beautiful. I love that. And I mean, you've had... Just this, you know, you've at the same time that there's been this path of of trauma, if you will, there's been this beautiful reawakening of sorts. There's mm-hmm. been sort of this miraculous uh, path that's opened up for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about your book. So I know that initially you mentioned you started the therapist was like, you know, write this down, get it out, write your story down. Right. And so take us through a little bit of that, how that happened. So you went to the therapist. She suggested you write stuff down. Okay, so tell us about that. And then I mm-hmm. want to talk about your book specifically. So I was still, so when I was talking to her, I was still um, within a session of me talking. Um, at the point, I had frustration. I was angry because I had to send my daughter, her, my newborn, to her dad. I was angry that it happened to me that... Um, that the doctor made that mistake, but I lost out time, but I had all these medical um, stuff that, that took place. And with talking to her, I gained, I switched that anger into gratitude to know that it's more of a purpose. Uh, like, why not it happened to me? You know, I got strength and everything. So I literally... And I'm going to be real with you. There was some point within a hospital that I had faith. As, have you ever seen a mustard seed that's really, really small? That's how small that my faith and hope was because everything is so back to back. And my thought was I'm going to go home. But with everything back to back, I'm like, 
don't look like I'm a, this going to be the end. And so, but that mustard seed that I had, that little hope that I had, I was going to get back to the babies is what really helped me. And that by talking about it, cause I did know about therapy, you know, I was like, maybe it's just for the crazies, you know, you, you really don't know if you're not knowledgeable, educated, and if you're not in position to, this is your last hope. <laughs> and so, um, I see the therapist and of course she started me on some uh, medication for anxiety and depression. Um, but also she was treating me uh, when I was just speaking with her and, and now she is, she actually did the forward on this book, you guys. So you gotta oh, check wonderful. that out. She has really mentioned from when she first seen me to the point where I have written the book. She has now did the forward on this book. So that's pretty, pretty big. So interesting that you found her too. You know how the path led to her. Absolutely. And that was your dad's suggestion, your family. And I know we gave uh-huh. I know we gave a big shout out to your daughter, but your whole family's been so wonderful. Absolutely. My sister yeah. Latia, my mom, Kathy, my dad, Willie. I mean, we are a close knit family. And when it affects one, it affects us all. And it hit hard knowing that. You know, uh, my dad, I never heard my dad cry. You know, he's so strong and I never heard him cry. But even with a strong man, if something takes place with your child, uh, like passing on, it really hits hard. And um, he had to get um, some type of counseling as well. My mom, it it affects us all. She didn't get counseling, but it it also affects because I was her. I was initially the baby baby until she had another one, but I was initially the baby baby, but I was a strong one and just didn't want to rely on anybody. And for me to be down for her to see me like that, um, it just really, it just really hit home. So yeah. And my friends and my aunties, my aunties was there, honey. I had a good support system. Best of both. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good suspect medically. My sister's on the medical side. My mom is on the housekeeping side. Made sure I was clean and fresh. My aunties was on both sides. I didn't go without. That's great. I always had angels and family members. Yeah. It was, it was, it's so heartfelt that I, I had to, give them a shout out in my story. Yeah. yeah, I gave them a message, my kids a message in my book and um, those that were there and all the support is pretty neat. It's yeah, it's really it's a, it's actually heartwarming. Like when you were talking about your family and how, you know, how close of a family unit you have. And I I would imagine that like, you know, you were saying it what happened impacted everybody, your health, but the miraculous path that happened to has probably also impacted right the the family having the mm-hmm. experience on the other side I mean for your family to be able to hear that and be close to it right and it just think that close yeah. to yeah to God because that it, it's another thing to hear about it and to know about God and to accept them, but it's different to actually yeah. be connected to someone who actually yeah. has that's your child really or your close, sister or your like, mom. Mm-hmm. Dad had came back, and, and so with their faith, it showed that a bigger faith because yeah. God brought my baby back. God brought Nisi back after being gone for twenty minutes, and where her health was, and we see her now. I mean, you look at me; it's you know, it's glory. You wouldn't know that I've been through all mm-hmm. that like two years ago, just two years. And initially it was a slow recovery, um, but now I just kept trying. I just kept um, doing things that's going to increase my health. And I I think that the beauty of it all is my kids that really brought everything back 
to me, you know, the way I look, the way I sound, my hell, because it's my why, you know, it's my why, and it's my purpose. So when you have a why and a purpose, you wake up knowing that you're going to expire someone, knowing that you got to take care of these babies and get them to where they need to be. Yeah, that's right. That is so. it, it, that is a big why and a big purpose. And, and it also sounds like your purpose has also grown to wanting to share your story with people because I know that um, the book is about to come out. Yes. Yet you've had the opportunity to share your story. And how has that, you found that it's really helped and impacted some people. What are some of the ways that, or some of the comments you've had about how hearing your story has positively impacted others? Oh my goodness. You know, when I first shared my initial story, it was during my first podcast and I was very scared because I'm like, well, what if people don't believe me or what if I got to make myself vulnerable and tell my story. Right. And so um, I told the story and I didn't know that it was going to go viral. And the comments were like, just hearing your story makes me feel that what I'm going through is not as bad or that I could make it through. And we share stories of what happened to them and then what happened to me. And so it gives me therapeutic healing too, just hearing their story. And now I'm connected with people all over the world in Canada and the UK and we're building friendship, you know, and um, it's stories that you inspire me or prayer works that, you know, um, you, you know, your health is getting better. So they praise me for my health getting better. So it's more been an inspiration just to know that we got bad days and rainy days, but we also have good days and smiles. So when you go through something, it's not over. Some things is just temporary. You have to go through, you grow, you go through it, but you have a story behind it. And so that's really been a big thing when um, I just get a lot of good mm-hmm. feedback uh, about the story and about how it inspired their life. Like they can wake up and they might've had a bad day, but just hearing my voice and my story really inspired them. So that this is pretty touching. Yeah. And to know that there's something else, you know, that's important. And there's another place too. So, um, yeah. you know, they, um, and then it was one of them. I think that it was a, a woman who, um, her husband passed away and this is when I was out and about, and I didn't know that she actually seen a YouTube video of me, but she was talking to me and she must have been maybe close to 80. She was a volunteer at a hospital because I was getting some type of testing. And you never judge the book by its cover because um, although she was kind of showing her age a little bit, I was able to really treat her with kindness and respect and was able to hear her story. And then it brought into my story and I was able to comfort her because she was so sad she lost her husband. And I explained my experience that I wasn't thirsty or sad. I didn't feel those five shocks. So I didn't feel no pain. It was a beautiful syringe. But so to know that he yeah. transitioned like that or possibly transitioned like that, it brought her great comfort. Yeah. And to know that there's someplace beautiful that we go mm-hmm. to. So I think that that's, that's a really important thing to know, too. Absolutely. You know? and- honey, I'm a believer, honey. So... Oh, yeah. I don't want to go anytime soon. But, you know, once it happened again, if it happened again, I know where I'm going. And that's the that's confidence right. to knowing. I still have fear of going to sleep and fear of certain things. But at least I know the other side. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I experience it. I feel it. I feel it every day. I connect with it when I go to sleep. You know, it's that type of something that I matched, you know, priceless. 
It's a priceless experience. It's beautiful. And Chinese, I have to ask you the two questions that I ask every daughter of change at the end of the podcast. So here's the first one. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you I'm ready. ready? I'm ready okay, girl. here's another adventure. It's not as scary as jumping out of the plane, though. I Drum don't roll. think. <laughs> I don't think it's as scary as jumping out of the plane. Uh, what wise words do you have for other daughters of change? Oh, my goodness. The wise words is just accepting yourself. Love yourself. You know, that's when we all want to go through changes and everything. But when you pick yourself back up, you're going to, you may fall, but pick yourself back up and always be your self-advocate. If you feel that something is not right, then it's not right. You know, um, stick up for yourself and um, always be close to family if fall as possible. But most importantly is to love yourself and to love God and whatever brings you peace, dive within that. So um, love, you know, love, respect, love, and be an advocate for yourself, honey. That's my words. And those are wise words indeed, Shadis. I love those. Except change. Sometimes, you know, it's out of our control. Um, and so when it's out of our control, uh, we just have to find the right skill to really just go through it. You know, it's just like a, a storm that you, you pass through. And when you go pass through it, there's a sunshine. Yeah. There you so. go. There's sunshine and a rainbow. With the, I love, yeah, those are very. I, there were actually I a rainbow in my words. room uh, about a couple of weeks ago when I woke up. There was a rainbow on the floor. God's oh, wow. This is a reminder that I, I have a purpose. Yeah. Astro rainbow. That's beautiful. That I like that a lot, actually. The rainbow on the floor coming in. That's... And I had a glimpse of it. Yeah, I, re I recorded it and I, I put it on uh, my social media page. But it was just so amazing. You see rainbows on the outside, but I never mm -hmm. saw one in my house. You know? Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's really, I've never, that's really cool. That's way cool. I like that a lot. Isn't so that is it? a sign. That is a message. That's a message for you. You signs that you can relate that you'll be able to see just to know that you're you're not alone, you know? And so that that was one of the signs is, is that rainbow. Because he, he's a promise keeper. That he's going to take care of me and comfort me. Yeah. Beautiful. That's a beautiful sign. And I want to leave people with a couple of thoughts. One is, how can people connect and support you? I mean, we'll make sure that there's links to all of your social media and how to get the book. But, you know, are there ways that people can connect with you or support you? And also, I want to talk a little bit more about just for a second about the book and where people can find that or when we, you know, just kind of give the leading up to that. Absolutely. So um, really on uh, most of the social media, so on um, YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, I'm more active on Facebook and Instagram. And it's really cross-board is author Shanice Chantel. You know, I have been recently been receiving um, gifts from anonymous, really like office gifts and stuff. And I'm not sure how or why, but it's a way that I think people are wanting to give something, um, maybe it's something pretty for the office or maybe it's want the babies. I don't know, honey, but it's arriving at my door. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's quite neat. But anyway, um, all social media platforms, really um, author Shanisha Tell is where people can reach out to me. You can DM me. I would love to hear other people's stories and really connect. 
Um, and th- that's just the quickest way to reach me. And also my website, which is www.shanishantel.com is also a contact link there. Um, and other links that, you know, you can pre-order that, that book, book, God within a lily. <laughs> and so I'm going to make sure for everybody listening that all those links are in the show notes mm-hmm. so that. And then my Gmail too, honey. Yeah. My, the Gmail. Uh, we'll put all that in there. We will have all that in there. And so if you want to connect with Shanice, follow her on social media, which you should, um, all the links are right there at your fingertips. Just can go boop and you're there. And then say that again. Yep. That's right. All those links go boop and you're there. (laughs) You you can connect with Shanice with, with DC as they call her. And there is a link to pre-order the book. And we will also have that link. The link is down in the show notes as well. And as, uh, the book is ready to rock and roll. We'll make sure that that link is uh, updated if it needs to be, but you'll be able to find all of that Absolutely. At, on Shawnee's website. It's going to be also, um, Amazon is going to have it, but if you want that discount, discount, uh, just a, a smaller price, just go to my site, um, com. but Amazon is going to have it as well. It's also going to be available in digital as well. Perfect. So, so there's people a lot can of put things, it on their e-readers. Like paperback, hardback, and digital. There's a, you got it covered. You got it covered, Shadis. Things Shanice. at the fingertips, honey. That's right. Things at the fingertips. Trying to make sure that the story reaches everyone. That's right. Be inspired. Um, God Within the Lily. But, I love that title, yes. too. It's beautiful. God Within the and Lily. And it, it just came to me. I got it. Um, I got that title that same day as I was writing. Um, and it was a no-brainer. You know, it was yeah. a no-brainer that that's that that was yeah. the title. Divine inspiration. You know it, girl. You know it, honey. Any last thoughts before we sign off? Honey, um, not really. I just uh want this uh, whoever is listening, I want them to know that you are not alone. I want them to know that if I can survive it, so can you, whatever you may be facing. Um, don't cover up your scars. They're your story, they're beautiful. So just make sure that you continue to love yourself, uh, find some form of inspiration. And if you having mental or emotional um, concerns, make sure you seek the help of psychiatrists because they also can help you navigate, cope and process those type of emotions. And you will be a better you, a healthier you. And that right there within itself, being a healthier you, once you can help yourself, you'll be able to help someone else.